Hi, and welcome to Personal Finance with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. You found us here on episode 12. Thank you for doing so. But after you finish this one, the good news is you don't have to wait a week for the next one. You can simply delve into our previous episodes and have a proper binge. It's not like a murder mystery where you have to start right back at the beginning either. Although I think I, I do mention Columbo in at least one episode. We're not a traditional finance show. Uh, you can do them in any order. They all work as standalone features, but make sure you have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, we'd be very grateful. Oh, and hit subscribe too. And that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop and your fear of missing out will be a thing of the past. Everything from mortgages to retirement to redundancy in there, I guarantee there is something for you. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Now, today we touch on a topic Apple Steve Jobs once referred to as life's great changing agent. I think he also said, everybody wants to go to heaven but no one wants to die in order to get there. Yes, in this episode, what to do when someone dies. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I don't know if you've been through this one at all, personally. I'm an only child, and I've been exposed to this to an extent when my dad died. Uh, I was supposedly helping my mother do all this stuff, but to be honest, I was in such a dwam. I'm not sure I could do it again, and I'll have to. But when you think about it, I mean, talk about multitasking. You've got the, the general grieving process happening. You're telling family and friends, arranging a funeral and flowers and cars and everything that goes with that. And over and above that, there are bodies and organizations that you have to notify regarding the death. Uh, thankfully, Phil, this podcast, you tell me, is going to break all that down for us. So where do we start? What do you need to do straight away? It's, it's not really the, the tedious uh, subjects that we're, no. we're discussing. It's, it's, one, it's such an important one. That, that's the thing. And I, I, I thought it's a good subject to cover because you want to try and make things like, as easy as possible. It's a, it's, it's a time that's going to be hard for, for people. So I kind of thought like, right, it'd be good to do a podcast this week on just what to do when, when someone dies and, and go through the, the kind of almost the order or, or like a, they quite a checklist, but just go through a few different things that would hopefully help anybody that, that ends up in, in that situation. Okay. So straight away after a death. Now, I, I know this this varies, um, this first thing that you're talking about. It varies on how somebody died, I suppose, whether they died at home, whether they died in hospital, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but what's the, what are the first things that you need to do after the death? The, the first thing would be to get a medical certificate. Now, unless there's a coroner's inquest, you, you should be able to get this straight away. There's no cost for, for getting a medical certificate. If, if the person dies in hospital, they'll give it to you. Um, if not, then you would call the, the person's GP and they would be able to, to get that. So, so that would be the first thing is getting a medical certificate. Okay. Um, and then what, what comes next? Are you at the point where you arrange the funeral yet? The, the next thing would be to, to register the death. Um, now, when, when someone dies, you get five days to do this um, in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. But in Scotland, you get slightly longer. You get eight days. So you must think we're a wee bit slower up here. But <laughs> you get slightly longer to, to do it here. So eight days in Scotland to, to register that death. And um, where about does that happen? To, to do that, uh, in England and Wales, you would go to the register office. In Scotland, they, it's called the, the Registrar of Births, Deaths and Marriages. Um, so I know a lot of towns have got like one of them. I know I, I stay in a small place called Ellen, 
and um, we've got a, a registrar here so it would just be going to, to that place or I know at the minute a lot of places are closed because of the, the, the pandemic but um, be contacting the registrar of births, deaths and marriages there's no cost for registering a death but if you want a copy of the death certificate you'll be charged in, in Scotland it's £12 for that so it's a nominal kind of fee sometimes it's good to get two or three copies of it because you're often having to send a lot of places will look for original copies so it is sometimes good to, to maybe get two or three copies of that so if you're dealing with, with things it can just speed up the, the process slightly Okay, and, and I imagine we'll come on to that in, in, in due course. I suppose the other thing you need to do at this point is is start thinking about arranging the funeral. Yeah, that would be, I mean, for, for arranging a funeral, most people will tend to use the, the services of a funeral director. I, I know you can arrange a funeral yourself. I've, I've never had any experience of that. I know anyone that I've known has always tended to use a, a funeral director. Well, one thing as well, I mean, like, Slightly to do with, with funerals, but if if somebody's under state pension age, one of the things that, that a lot of people maybe don't realise is there's a bereavement support payment. So people get either a, a lump sum of two and a half thousand or up to three and a half thousand, depending on the, their circumstances. But that that's money that can go towards kind of like funeral costs. And with, with a bereavement support payment, um, people also get like an ongoing payment each month of either £100 or £350, again, depending on your, your circumstances, and that pays out for, for 18 months. So that, that's something that a lot of people aren't generally just too aware of, but that, that can help out with the, the sort of arranging a funeral. Another thing with, with arranging funerals as well is I, I often think un- undertakers have got a captive audience, have they? Because when... Yeah, never see what advertising, yeah. So, so in theory, like I, I wouldn't say they could get away with charging what they want, but I mean, when somebody dies, you need their services. So one thing that I, I think is worth considering for people is to, to look at funeral plans where you can actually prepay the funeral in advance. Because I, I just think like if you wait until somebody dies, yeah, you, you, I mean, one, one thing I would recommend as well is getting more than one quote. So not just speaking to one funeral director, but certainly maybe speak to two or three just to, to try and get an idea. But they, they have, they've got such a captive audience, they can get away with, they charge it more. But um, I, I'm sure most undertakers are, are pretty sort of competitive with, with our pricing. But what I, I thought for next week's podcast is we could cover funeral plans sure. in more detail there because that, that's something I've, I've looked into quite a bit in the past. So hopefully I'll be able to share my knowledge and experience of that um, in next week's episode. Okay, a couple of things there, um, and I'll pull you back one of them in a second. I was just thinking there, you you never walk past an undertaker's window and see a for sale sign, do you, you know, or, you know, bargain prices, everything like that in the window. A steady influx of customers. Um, The the other thing, you're talking about the the bereavement support payment there uh, and how it pays out for for 18 months um, if someone is under the the retirement age. That's Um, correct. Yeah, it might sound crass, but I, I I didn't actually hear whether is that tax deductible or not. No, it's it's a payment that's paid. Um, there's no tax taken off of that. Okay. So the, the the way it works now, they you get either two and a half thousand or three and a half thousand as a, a lump sum, but that depends on your your circumstances. So 
I think, for example, if someone gets child benefit, then they get the, the higher payment. I think if you don't qualify for child benefit, that's when you, you it's the lower amount, the two and a half thousand okay. amount. Okay, so, but, so means tested then, that's that's what you're saying? Yeah, but anyone under that age still gets something. So at least something's better than, than nothing. And I, I would say as well, I mean, it, it, it's a difficult time. And some, some people will take out like life insurance to, to cover a mortgage if they're a bit younger. Once, once somebody's over the age of 50, they can start looking at funeral plans. Um, so it's good to look at, at planning for, for the funeral in advance. And I know like a lot of people don't make any plans for their funeral. And mm. by not making any plans, it means that your family's got more to sort out at a time that's going to be very hard for them. So mm-hmm. I, I would say being like planning for the funeral at an early stage is, is certainly something that I would recommend. Yeah, it's it's not morbid. I remember both um, my granny and actually my mum as well um, talking about planning their funeral. And once they've done that, it gives them an element of peace of mind because they, they think, well, at least nobody's going to be scratching around looking for cash to, you know, put some flowers on my headstone. It's all done. It's all taken care of. Yeah. Also means you can plan the funeral funeral that you want as well because I, I don't know. Like I mean, if, if I died, who would know that I want to be buried or cremated? So so you might end up. I mean, I, I think I'd probably prefer to be buried. I think. Yeah. Um, I guess when you're dead, it, some folk would say, "Well, what does it matter?" But unless people know your wishes, you, you might end up with something that you don't want either so um yes i mean again it's the the best of subjects it's not the sort of thing that people really discuss very much is it that's that's a thing but But let's just break that taboo subject for a second phil i've got an idea for you i wonder if you might want to be carried in by like the denver broncos (laughs) i know ashes scattered in in denver (laughs) yeah a lot of folk with with that i mean they maybe want their ashes scattered at petodri or something but you know um, you know, when we're speaking about death, the Denver Broncos season's just about <laughs> death. <laughs> you see, you get everything in this podcast. Okay, so um, those are the things that, that sort of happen in the immediate aftermath, I guess. Um, then there's the, the weeks sort of following the death because there, there are uh, bodies and organizations, uh, presumably banks, that sort of thing, that you have to let know, aren't there? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the, the next thing I would say would be to contact. Like if you've got a lender or landlord, um, that would be the next sort of organisations to to contact um, any government departments as well. Um, so again, you, you want to try and do this as, as soon as possible. Um, you'd also want to contact things like a utility provider. So there, there's plenty of people that you would need to, to kind of notify and keep uh, keep them updated with what's happened. Mm-hmm. And there, there are, I mean, the things that you just don't think about as well, like um, passports, uh, driving licenses. I mean, do you just cut them up, throw them away? What do you, what do, you do with these things? You are meant to return the. You're, you're meant to return both of them. Right. And um, once you get a death certificate, at that point you can cancel their passport. Other things to do would be to, to contact HMRC regarding like any taxes and stuff. If someone is over state pension age, you would need to contact the Department for Work and Pensions, get the state pension stopped. If someone's in receipt of any benefits, you would need to, to contact them. As you mentioned, DVLA about your, your driving license. If someone pays council tax, you would need to contact the, the council. 
if you're renting a property, um, if it was in joint names with someone, if, if you were the person that rents that place or, or you have a mortgage with someone and it was them that died, you would need to, to contact your mortgage lender or the whoever you've got your tenancy with. Well, one good thing is that uh, the government have got a, it's called a Tell Us Once service. So if, if you go on to gov.uk website, um, they, they have got something there that says tell us once and they notify all the relevant government departments. So that could be quite a, a useful yeah. thing just to save you a wee bit of time. And it can be really hard. I mean, if, if you're having to contact all these different places, it's hard enough doing it once, never mind having to do it maybe four or five or six times. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can, that, that eases maybe a bit of the, the pain of having to do all of this stuff. Yeah, because one of the things that terrifies me is occasionally, you know, my mum will slip something into conversation like it's matter of fact. So, you know, I saw Ella on Wednesday. She's saying she's much happier now. She's made Alan power of attorney like you are for me. And then she goes on to talk about this week's bake-off. And I'm sat there thinking, hang on, if she doesn't make it through the other side of this call, (laughs) where where are all the documents that I need? Uh, Which is a good time to mention something that you do, Phil, um, at Phil Anderson Financial Services. Uh, You've got something that makes this a bit easier, haven't you? Yeah, we do. We, we've got a, a document called What I Own and Where It's Kept. And that's something that we, we can give you a free copy of that. But it's so useful. When someone dies, they, what you'll find is that some places will ask you, right, what's their national insurance number? Where's their will kept? This document covers everything. The only thing I would say about it is you don't want it falling into their own hands because then they've no. got... A lot of details. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It, it's a document that can really help your family because, like, after somebody dies, you've got to, to contact insurance companies, you've got banks, building societies, credit card companies, pension providers. Now, if if you've got this document, that can have all the information in one place, so it makes things so much easier. Um, so it, it does. I, I would say I would encourage folk to, to get in touch with us. It's a free document that, that we'll give you, um, but it, it's really good. It's a great free resource. Other places that you can get free resources as well. You've got um, Citizens Advice Bureau are, are very good. There's the Money Advice Service. Their website's excellent. They, they've actually got a page on what to do when someone dies. So there is there's an awful lot of support for, for people out there. And not only that, you've also, I mean, it's a time that's difficult. So it, it may be a time that someone needs bereavement support as well. And if I, I would encourage, if someone is taking things really badly, and it, certainly speak to your GP and they, they can put you in touch with, with some of the, the GP support services as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time. I mean, it's, it's such a major life change for you know, the partner or whoever's left behind that doing all this stuff on top can really be a strain. So uh, any advice, any help that you can get, I would take it if you can. Now, every yeah. week so far, um, we've covered topics. Phil has given us a, a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. Um, I wonder if you've got an experience here, Phil, regarding what to do when someone dies. I am very fortunate that at the minute I've, I've still got both parents, so I haven't had to sort out funerals or, or things like this yet. I guess you hope that that is something you have to do one day because you, you didn't want your parents outliving yourself. But, I mean, it, when, when I have that day to come, oh, man, it is going to be hard. I, I know that. But um, from, from my own experiences, one of the things that a lot of people don't know 
is that you can change a will after someone has died. Now, one, one of my relatives had to do this, and, and the reason that they did it was she, she had her house in joint names with her husband, but what they did was they, they changed it. So instead of it being owned jointly, and then both kind of uh, having the house there, what, what the solicitor did after she died was that they actually split it. So she physically had half and her husband had half. Now, the, the benefit to that was that when her husband ended up going into a care home, this meant that the, the council could only get money from his half of the home. Right. So, so the way that a tenancy is set up when someone owns a property is, is an important thing. Now, that, that's a sort of, like when solicitors are, are dealing with people, that's all the, the sort of stuff that they should cover with them. Um, but it is it, a lot of folk didn't realise that you can actually change a will after someone has died. So, so <laughs> I, I, I you didn't know that, eh? I didn't know. I'm hearing that Columbo theme in my head again, Phil. <laughs> you know, change your will after someone's died. Uh, excuse me, sir, just one more thing. Um, Phil, we always do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration through various people that you admire. And I know that you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode? What to do when someone dies? Quote of the week this week is from someone called Arthur Schnoppenhauer. That's a pronounced, but the quote this week is, after your death, you will be what you were before your birth. Zip. Zero. Nada. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So to summarize on this episode, Phil, what is our takeaway in terms of what to do uh, in the immediate aftermath when someone dies? I'd probably say the, the thing is to, to speak about death, um, it's not the cheeriest of subjects, as I, I said earlier, but um, I think it's good to for people to speak about it. Going on the, the things, like the, the first things to do would be get a medical certificate, register the death, arrange the funeral. That, that would be the first sort of things. And then, as I mentioned as well, um, get in touch with us, that document, what I own and where it's kept. Um, we can give you a free copy of that and it, it really is a, an excellent resource to have and it can make things a lot smoother and easier for your family at a time that is going to be really difficult for them. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please feel free. And as always, uh, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's uh, contact details coming up, by the way, and that will serve you well in terms of the uh, what I have and where it is document. So our first question today comes from Leslie Intain, who asks, Hi, Phil, how long do you think it will be before mortgage lenders start to relax a bit and offer better deals again? That's kind of how long is a piece of string, isn't it? It's quite a difficult question to answer. I've been hoping that into kind of next year we'd start to see like things, they resume and get a bit more back to normal. But just now the the high loan to value mortgages have kind of dried up and are a bit more difficult to get. Lenders have, have put interest rates up on that type of mortgage as well. They're, they, they're kind of wary that the property market has a bit of a, a downturn. Mm. Um, so I guess over the, the next couple of months, that'll give us a, a better idea as to how things will go into to next year. Um, but I, I would hope that come 2021, we'll, we'll start to see more mortgage deals available again and, and hopefully also higher loan-to-value mortgage deals. One, one thing the Scottish government did um, just recently is they announced that the, the first home fund would continue 
in 2021. So that, that's a good thing. The, the funding's actually finished for this tax year. Mm. That's the money used up for, for it. But hopefully that will help the, the market into to kind of next year as well. So I, I, I can, no, nobody knows is the, the kind of answer to that question. But I, I do hope that into to next year, things will start getting a wee bit better on the mortgage front. I suppose traditionally as well, we're coming into a period in the year where um, people are focusing more on the likes of Christmas uh, and just getting through that rather than, than you know, buying homes. That's probably off the, the agenda until, you know, the, the sort of spring months of next year, traditionally anyway. You know, demand's been, been really good. I know in, in my company, the, the mortgage leads have been, I mean, there's been a lot of mortgage inquiries coming in. Even now, like initially, as lockdown started to ease, there, there was a huge flow. Of, I mean, at that point, there was a real spike in, in mortgage inquiries. But I, I think the demand is there. I think people are still quite keen to move. And I, I, I don't know, hopefully, I mean, if, if the lenders can start having more products available, that, that would be a good thing. And, and I, I think the demand will keep up okay in the next year. Fingers crossed. Uh, next up is Lee in Paisley, who's got a question on redundancy. Uh, like a lot of people, he sees this kind of galloping over the horizon towards him. I, I think we'll probably see a tidal wave of this when that second furlough period ends. Uh, and Ian's query is regarding the lump sum that he's likely to receive. He says, should I be looking at investing it somewhere? Is it worth my while? Or am I as well treating me and the wife to a second honeymoon? I guess it depends on your, your overall circumstances. If, if you've got like other spare monies or you think you'll get a job quite quickly, then yeah, certainly you could look at investing there. But I, I would say if, if someone's investing money, that usually would be for the, the longer term. So you, you've got to be willing or are able to leave it for, for longer. Yeah. Um, whereas if that money you think you may need in the, the short term, you're better looking at kind of keeping that more accessible and the, the money readily available for you. So I, I would say you, it would, a lot would depend on your overall kind of financial position and, and circumstances. So again, and, and some people will want to, I mean, if, if you've been paid off, some people maybe want to go and enjoy life for a wee bit until they do get another job. But that, that one would be more down to the, the individual circumstances, I would say. Yeah, the other thing that Phil's too polite to say up front is it'll also depend on his wife and how much she wants a second honeymoon. I know. <laughs> um, let's say as well, before you get in touch with a question, there is a chance that we may have covered it in depth in a previous episode. Um, certainly, we've we've touched on uh, mortgages before and also on redundancy in uh, our back catalogue of episodes. There's a real vault of knowledge to be explored there and full details of where you can find that in just a second. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you think that you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a financial or monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Uh, Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or you can email Phil a question, uh, and he can answer that on a future show for you. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and he could be answering it, like I say, in an upcoming podcast. And please 
be assured we will not use your real name if that is how you prefer to go with it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go a little bit further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.